Well, it's good to be uh, back with you uh, this evening. It's been wonderful to spend some time um, with, with some of you uh, over, over this afternoon. It's great. And uh, yeah, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and then I'll pray. Mark chapter 4, that's on page at 997. Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> Again, he, that's, this is Jesus, uh, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it, uh, sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, <clears throat> Listen, behold... A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him, thank you, with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear... Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown, that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active, that you are speaking to us right now. We ask that you'd be at work by your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to stir us, to magnify your Son Christ. Be with us now, we ask. In his name we pray. Amen.
Well, when my wife uh, Lydia and I moved into our house in Reading, one of the first things that we wanted to sort out was, was the grass in the back garden. It was awful. It was a, a real mess. Okay? Um, there were weeds everywhere. Uh, there was uh, one patch of uh, grass just near the, the, near the house where it was just nothing would grow. It was basically just mud with a few pieces of uh, grass sticking out. Um, my wife Lydia, she's amazing. She, she put fertilizer on, grass seed on, she mowed it. It hadn't been mowed for a while. And she really tended to the, to the back garden to get the grass looking nice. But there was just one patch, one patch right by the, right by the house that still was mud. <laughs> nothing would grow. See, grass is really resilient, but it still needs decent light to grow. It won't grow without decent light. And this evening we're going to look at something much more important than grass. uh, Much more important. And what it needs to grow. Uh, We're going to look at real faith. Real faith. Real faith grows only in open hearts. If you're taking notes, today's passage is about the faith of the fruitful few. I like alliteration. The faith of the fruitful uh, few. But before we zoom into our, our reading today... It's going to be helpful to get some wider context here. So the parable of the sower is near the beginning of a larger section of Mark's gospel. And this larger section is all about God's kingdom and what it looks like to believe that Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And so if you turn to Mark 3, just over the page there with me, um, I'll just scan briefly through if you want to follow with me. This section begins at Mark 3 verse 13. And here... Jesus commissions 12 heralds of his kingdom and sends them out. And then the religious leaders and even members of his own family, they don't believe that he is the king of this kingdom. And then starting in chapter 4, which is what we just read, Jesus tells four parables to describe God's kingdom and what it looks like. And therefore, what believing uh, that he is the king looks like. And those with real faith in Jesus welcome his word deep inside. And they share his word. And they grow mysteriously. They begin small but then become enormous in faith. Four parables about believing that Jesus is the king. Next, from the end of chapter 4, there are four miracles. Uh, that They urge us to believe that Jesus is the king. Uh, come to verse 40 there of chapter 4, just over the page. After calming the storm, Jesus says this, Do you still have no faith? After the demon-possessed man is healed, he believes in Jesus. To the woman suffering from bleeding, Jesus says, Your faith has saved you. And he says to Jairus, Don't be afraid, only believe. Four miracles that urge us to believe that Jesus is the King. Well, this section ends with Mark 6, 13, as Jesus recommissions the 12 heralds of his kingdom, while people at his hometown won't believe that he is king of the kingdom. One big section, and we're relatively near the beginning. So do you see, this large section is about God's kingdom and what it looks like to believe that Jesus is the king. Well, in Mark 4, verse 1, we've come to the first of these four parables and it is it really is incredible i'm sure you're uh, very familiar with it 
Someone sows seeds into four types of soil and he gets a range of results. Very approachable. And this is about how God's kingdom works. How it comes. In verse 13, Jesus says there's a, there's a principle laid out here that God's people must understand. And if we don't, if we don't understand this principle, then we won't understand all of the parables. So it's very important that we really do understand this parable, isn't it? In verse 14, he explains, very graciously, he explains the seed represents the word, the message about the kingdom. And in verse 15, he says that the different scenarios, uh, the seed that falls on the path, uh, on the rocky ground, among the thorns, and in the good soil, uh, these represent different types of people, different conditions of people's hearts as they hear the word. Uh, Well, friends, this is how the kingdom of God works. And it's shocking, really. It should be shocking. The kingdom of God doesn't come as you might expect It's not by force. It's not a fast-paced military conquest like Alexander the Great storming across the world in three years. No. God's kingdom grows. And it grows gradually. And the few people with open hearts hear God's word and demonstrate real faith by maturing or growing into fruitfulness. So that's the principle that you need to understand. Let me put it in a a few words. Only open hearts can accept the word of God. And real faith grows only in open hearts. Only open hearts can accept God's word. And real faith grows only in open hearts. So let's just unpack this as we look at each of the four types of soil, hearts, that Jesus describes We'll see three examples, sorry, of hearts that are not open. And one example of an open heart. So firstly, example one, hard hearts. Hard hearts, the seed on the path. Some people, they hear the gospel and it's like the seed falling on hard path. Nothing happens. Come to verse 15 with me. Jesus explains. These are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. When people with hard hearts hear the gospel, nothing goes in. The Bible shows us what hard hearts are. Back in Mark chapter 3, just before our parables, we're shown some religious leaders and they're waiting to catch Jesus healing on the Sabbath. In verse 5 of chapter 3, we're told, Jesus was grieved at their hardness heart. They have no love for God or neighbour, only self-interest. Their persistence in hypocrisy has made their hearts hard. You see that? Romans 1 shows us that when people follow their own wicked desires, they suppress God's truth. They gain foolish hearts that are darkened. Hard hearts, in other words. They're not able to see the truth anymore because they have habitually suppressed it by giving themselves over to wickedness. So that's what hard hearts are. Here's what the seed on the hard path, on the path, teaches us. Hard hearts can't accept the saving word of God. 
maybe it surprised you in, in Mark 4, verse 12, which we read. Uh, Jesus says he speaks in parables so that some people won't understand. He's quoting from uh, the message of Isaiah in chapter 6. Isaiah was speaking in that, in, in that uh, context to a people who had hardened their own hearts. Uh, they continuously chosen darkness instead of light. And God told him to preach God's word in such a way that simply confirmed them in their own choice. See, if you, if you grow to love the darkness, light becomes repulsive to you. And you just shield your eyes from any illumination that it gives. If you wake up in the morning and someone turns the light on, what do you do? You shut your eyes. That's what happens when people with hard hearts have the light shone in their lives. Similarly, hard hearts cannot accept the saving word of God. If you've been a Christian for a while, you'll have seen uh, people with hard hearts. People who stubbornly rebel against uh, God's will. The root cause is because they have grown to love sin. And they think God's ways are bad and their ways are good. Their consciences are seared. And when people with hard hearts hear the gospel, they just bat it away. No, not interested. It's not always aggressive though. Sometimes they just don't care whether it's true or not. Even if it could be proved beyond doubt... That Jesus is the king of the universe and therefore we should repent and believe in him. They just love their sinful life too much. They're not interested in leaving it behind. Sometimes people with hard hearts join churches. They feel welcome. They get free meals. People are interested in their lives. But they just zone out whenever God's word is preached. Saving faith cannot grow in hard hearts, friends. How can we respond to this? Well, firstly, a Christian, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. As you pray for friends and family and colleagues and enemies, pray that God would soften their hearts so that they might receive God's word. He's the only one who can soften hearts. We can give the best gospel presentation that there has ever been But if their heart is hard, nothing will go in. Pray that it would sink in and that there would be no distractions. There would be nothing to take away the word of God from their mind. You know, the Lord grieves over hard hearts. Don't lose heart. Keep praying that they would be softened. And Christian, secondly, guard the condition of your heart. Because saving faith, real faith, will not grow in hard hearts. Ephesians 4 urges us to no longer live like those with callous and hard hearts. Uh, Those people give themselves over to sin more and more. Uh, Don't go back, Christian. Uh, Keep your heart soft. There's a serious, serious danger here. Uh, Don't think that you are immune to heart hardening. If you habitually and willingly give yourself over to a little bit of pornography or anger, or gossip, or greed, or deceit, or pride. It will grow and grow. And you'll become less and less bothered by sin. Your heart will become harder and harder. And in the end, you will be hardened to the saving word of God. The very salvation of God. Regularly 
examine your own heart, Christian. Asking questions like this. Is there any open door for sin in my life? Like perhaps unmonitored internet access. Am I speaking evil of anyone? Am I striving for peace with everyone? Am I living as I would if I knew that my last hour on earth before the judgment seat of God was now? Christian, guard the condition of your heart. Well, we've seen what hard hearts look like at the seed on the path. Saving faith can't grow there. And next we'll see shallow hearts, the seed on the rocky ground. Shallow hearts, the seed on the rocky ground. Some people hear the gospel and it's like seed falling on rocky ground. There's a little bit of soil and so it grows. Something happens. But when it's tested, it comes to nothing. Come to verse 16 with me. Jesus explains. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves. But endure for a while. Then when tribulation, and that word tribulation can also, um, have, it also mean pressure or trouble or distress. So we could translate it, when, when life becomes hard or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. People with shallow hearts immediately receive the gospel with joy. But then they immediately fall away when persecution comes or trouble comes because of it. Why? They only ever believed superficially. They're not committed. They never let the roots of the gospel grow. Uh, They might respond with joy for a while even. But when trouble or persecution comes along, they think to themselves, well, following Christ isn't worth all this, aggro. And they leave. 2 Timothy 3 tells us that all, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. And trials are actually one of the ways that God, uh, God tests the genuineness of our faith, as 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us. Only those with genuine, real faith will persevere to the end, because only real faith fully grasps the glory and the majesty of the gospel message, which is an anchor for our souls through times of tribulation. God's word takes deep root and stabilizes and nourishes only those with real faith. We see shallow hearts all the time though, don't we? Uh, we see shallow hearts when it comes to marriage commitment in this country. So many people today start off in marriage full of joy with rose-tinted glasses. Uh, but they're not uh, before long. Uh, they end up getting divorced because their expectation was that the other person would just make them happy all of the time. And as soon as things become difficult, they just leave. This happens all over the country. Hopefully you understand the concept of shallow hearts here. But look at verse 17 there. What, what, might, what might it look like for tribulation and persecution arising on account of the word to cause someone to fall away in our context? Well, it could look like someone telling their colleagues at work that they've become a Christian and then they quickly realise that people don't like that. <laughs> they start to experience friction or even attention in the office and they don't get invited to the things that they used to get invited to. The cost of being a Christian just rises and it just doesn't seem worth it. So they go back to their old life. It could look like someone who seemed to really grasp the gospel 
And then a family member tells them that they'll never speak to them again if they continue believing in Jesus Christ. Well, losing a family member is too high a cost to pay to follow Jesus, isn't it? So they say, I'm done. I'm leaving. But of course, the price is never really too high, is it? Those who accept the gospel fully understand that nothing compares to the eternal weight of glory being prepared for those in Christ. But things are far more short-sighted for people with shallow hearts. Far more short-sighted. Saving faith, real faith, cannot grow in shallow hearts, friends. Christian, don't lose heart. When people leave the faith quickly, it can be devastating to those around them. Don't lose heart. This is what Jesus taught us to expect. And he understands it intimately, doesn't he? Pray for repentance, pray for a change of heart, knowing that only God can change shallow hearts. And Christian, guard the condition of your heart. Because saving faith, real faith, will not grow in shallow hearts. If you're facing persecution for the sake of the gospel right now, I really pray that your faith would not fail and that you would be delivered from it, friends. There are lots of ways that the gospel is costly, though, so don't think that this isn't for you if you're not facing persecution. Salvation is a free gift, yes, by grace through faith. But if you think dying to your old self is a walk in a park, then you're not doing it right. The Christian life is a living sacrifice. King Jesus wants all of your life, not just a few hours on Sunday. And so, Christian... If there is any trouble that you would, sorry, is there any trouble that you would know that if it would come to you, you would walk away from Christ? Is there any tribulation or trial that you're just avoiding by disobeying Christ in one particular area? These are questions that we need to be asking ourselves regularly. We don't like pain, do we? We don't like trouble. And that's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit and his word to sanctify us. Can I encourage you to continually surrender all your life to Christ as your king and trust him at his word when he says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Are you holding anything back? Because you know if you obey, you will be persecuted. Christian, Guard the condition of your heart. Well, we've seen what hard and shallow hearts look like. Next, we'll see divided hearts, the seed among thorns. Divided hearts, the seed among thorns. Some people, they hear the gospel, and it's like the seed falling among thorns. Something really promising happens. But again, it comes to nothing in the end. Come to verse 18 with me. Jesus explains. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. When people with divided hearts hear the gospel, it doesn't become the uncontested central message in their lives. The message of the gospel sinks in, but other competing messages 
are kept in their heart too. Did you see that in verse 7 then? As the message of the gospel grows in, an un, in a divided heart, a load of competing messages also grow alongside. They weren't rooted out to start with. They weren't taken out when they grew. They were allowed to grow. The idea that the things of this fleeting world might be more valuable than God's eternal, glorious kingdom is allowed space to grow in the heart. And it eventually chokes the message of the gospel out completely. One time, when Jesus had huge crowds following him, he turned to them and he said this, something like this, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to love me so much that it looks like you hate your family by comparison. Wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? The word of God will not grow in divided hearts. Real faith fixes its gaze on the real and infinite hope held out in the gospel and looks past the temporary, fading worries, riches and pleasures of this fleeting world. You know, one of the most common reasons that people turn away from faith in Christ is because they date someone who isn't a Christian. You know that, right? I know a lot of people like this. They're convinced that it's okay to date a non-Christian because they're a really nice person. They're funny and they're charming and they'll definitely become a Christian when we get married. You know the story, don't you? 99% of the time they end up falling away from the faith. Or the non-Christian decides to become a Christian so that they don't lose the relationship, but they never really believe. What's happening? This is a divided heart. The worries and cares of this world have grown to become most precious to them. And they're displacing Jesus as Lord and King. Fleeting worldly pleasures become their King. Another reason people turn away from faith in Christ is the deceitfulness of wealth. Someone hears the gospel and they welcome it. They join a church. But they're also doing pretty well in their career. And they like the feeling that money in the bank gives them. Well, the money starts coming in big time. They start to work most evenings and weekends, fixated on getting promoted so that the account will fill up a bit more. They gradually duck out of prayer meetings and they start to miss Sunday meetings and they drop their morning devotions because they've been up late the night before working. And before you know it, they have left the faith. This is a divided heart. The deceitfulness of wealth crept up on them. They try to serve both money and God, and you just cannot do that. The love of money cannot sustain the love for God. It chokes the gospel out. Saving faith, real faith, cannot grow in divided hearts, friends. But Christians don't lose heart. When you see brothers and sisters starting to allow the love of this world grow in their hearts, pray for them. But of all the unfruitful responses to the gospel, this can be the most difficult and disheartening to see because it happens so gradually, doesn't it? Be encouraged that Jesus is the one... Sorry, be encouraged that um, by Jesus that this is one of the responses that we should expect. It's what Jesus witnessed up close during his earthly ministry. He knows how this feels. And Christian, guard the condition of your heart because saving faith real faith will not grow 
in a divided heart. This is one of the reasons it's so helpful to have close Christian friendships too, because sometimes it's easier for others to see when your heart is becoming divided than for you to see it yourself. Is there anything in your life which you love almost as much as Christ? Are there any, are there any challenges? Is the gospel uncontested in your heart? If you've ever been out blackberry picking, I've been out blackberry picking with my boys recently. It's um, good fun. Uh, well, you'll have noticed that bl- brambly bushes are ferocious. Brambly bushes are ferocious. If a bramble bush pushes its way into your garden, you need to be quick. You need to chop it off quickly because they just take over. You've got to be vigilant. They choke out everything around them. Well, that's how competing, competing desires in our hearts work. They choke out the gospel if we're not vigilant. Friends, pray that God will give you and maintain in you an undivided heart. You could even pray the words of Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, Lord, that I, might, I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Well, we've seen what hard and shallow and divided hearts look like. It's been quite sad, if we're honest, hasn't it, really? It's sad. Well, next we'll finish with open hearts, the seed on good soil. Open hearts, the seed on good soil. Some people hear the word of God, the gospel, and it's like seed falling on good soil. And something miraculous happens. And in the end, it produces a mass of fruit. And come to verse 20 with me. Jesus explains it for us. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30 and 60 and 100 fold. See, when people with open hearts hear the gospel, it sinks in. And it establishes deep roots. And it's the uncontested center of their lives. When these people hear the gospel, the kingdom of God breaks through and there is incredible fruit. They develop a love for God and neighbour and they share the gospel with others. They're fruitful. And some are more fruitful than others. But even the least produces 30 times as much that was sown. I'm reminded of a friend of mine who became a Christian a few years back. Uh, When his Catholic parents um, found out about it, And they found out that he was serious about his faith in Christ. They literally disowned him. They cut him off completely and and told the rest of the family to not be in contact uh, with him. They didn't even come to his wedding. His own parents. It's incredibly sad. But you know, this friend of mine knows that all of this trouble and persecution is completely worth it for the sake of Jesus. He is the king. He is his king. Nothing compares to the value of Christ, his saviour. He has an open heart. Well, we've seen hard hearts, shallow hearts, divided hearts, and finally open hearts. Jesus has been teaching us here that there are, there are reasons that people don't truly accept the message of the gospel. And if we're honest, it has been saddening. But, and here's the most incredible part. But... As the message is scattered about. Jesus shows us that there will be some fruit. There will be some people who do accept it. And fully and completely 
Jesus is explaining that as we share the gospel with others, we should expect that many people will reject the gospel. Just like when he shared the gospel. And many people rejected it. But he's also teaching us that we should expect some to accept it. In verse 10, after the huge crowd leaves Jesus without seeking the meaning of the parables. Did you notice that? They leave and they don't seek the meaning. But those around him, with the twelve, asked him about the parables. There were some who stayed behind, who had open hearts, and humbly asked the king to help them receive the word of the kingdom. And the king gave generously to open hearts, as he always does. He always does. So encouraging, isn't it? And maybe though this review of the types of hearts that saving faith won't grow in has been really difficult to listen to because at times you see them in your own heart, in your own life. You might be thinking, sometimes my heart seems hard and shallow and divided even. Do I have real faith? Well, if that's you, can I encourage you that that is a good question for a Christian to be asking. Not to be paranoid, paranoid about or worried about, but to have a healthy concern for the state of your heart. See, normal Christian life is, among other things, a battle to keep open hearts, to fight off becoming hardened and shallow and divided. It's normal to be concerned about these things. And in fact, the concern shows that your heart is open. The concern shows that your heart is open. Only open hearts are actually concerned to remain open. In Romans 7, Paul describes the inner turmoil of a normal Christian who is wrestling in frustration because of the things that they do but they don't want to do. It's a battle. Keep fighting and trusting in Christ to hold you fast. Those with real faith accept the word about the King. Be encouraged, Christian, that he will hold you fast. And you will ultimately produce the fruit of his kingdom. Saving faith, real faith, cannot grow in shallow hearts. Saving faith cannot grow in hard hearts or divided hearts. Only open hearts can accept God's word. And real faith only grows in open hearts. And so Christian, don't lose heart. As you share the gospel with others, it can be really discouraging to have regular rejection. But remember that nobody ever preached like Jesus Christ. Nobody. And no one ever will preach like Jesus Christ. And yet he still had mixed responses. Jesus had rejection. We should expect rejection like Christ. But we should also expect some to see to be successful. Take comfort from the word of the Lord in Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Pray for those you know who don't know Christ. Pray for soft and open hearts and for the word to take deep and uncontested hold in their lives and trust that God's word will do exactly what he sends it out to do. And Christian, as I've said the whole way through, guard the condition of your heart because saving faith, real faith, will only grow in open hearts. Stay close to Christ. 
Keep your heart open. Keep fighting sin. Keep gaining a greater vision of the incomparable riches that are in Christ. The glorious future that we have with him. Hold fast to Christ. He will hold fast to you. Jesus says in in John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Well, we've seen what hard, shallow, divided and open hearts look like. We've seen what real faith looks like in the kingdom of God. What believing in the King, Jesus, really looks like. And as we share the gospel, we can remember that there are lots of reasons that people don't believe. And we shouldn't lose heart, but keep on sharing God's word. We're to expect rejection, knowing it's only the Lord who opens hearts. And as we live the normal Christian life, we remember that he will hold us fast and support us as we fight to guard our hearts, to keep them open. Because real faith will only grow in open hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this parable of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that it is so clear, so simple in many ways. And yet we know that this is difficult for us to do. We know that sharing the gospel with others in the face of so much rejection, it's difficult. We find it difficult to fight sin so often, Lord. We find it difficult to root out weeds when they're small before they get big. We find it difficult to keep uncontested hearts, to bat away the voices of this world, To see the glory and the majesty of Christ as infinitely more precious than all that surrounds us and that is in our face each day. Lord, we struggle with many things. And yet we know that you have given us, those of us who are Christians, your Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to empower us, to sanctify us. And you will complete the work that you have begun in each of us. Please keep us close. Please hold us fast. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.